welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. All right, thanks for joining us. I am very excited to have a friend of mine, Kurt, here from Camp for All. Kurt, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Michael? Oh, you know, living the dream here, you know, up here in Buffalo. How's things going in Texas? Well, it's, uh, I'm thinking it's probably warmer here in Texas, but that's usually something that I can say. So uh, things are great. It's actually a very beautiful day today. I'm excited to get outside. Kurt, tell us a little bit about Camp for All and yourself. Yeah, so I'm Kurt Padeswa. I'm the camp director at Camp for All. Uh, camp for All is a camp special needs and challenging illnesses. And something that makes us a little bit different than other camps is that we operate under what's called a partner model. So I don't register any campers. Instead, I work with organizations such as the Periwinkle Foundation, the Epilepsy Foundation, the Muscular Dystrophy Association, and actually more than 65 other organizations that bring their campers here to Camp for All. That sounds amazing. So how many kids do you have in, a, in any given week on your property and in your camp program? Uh, well, so people on site um, gets anywhere. The average is around 300 during the summertime. Um, we'll, we will have volunteers uh, both from our side and from the, the camp side that will make that number go up on site during the day so we can get to the 350 numbers sometimes. Um, and the reason I say people is because uh, the campers each week really depend on the ratio of care. And so, for example, the Muscular Dystrophy Association has a one-to-one ratio. Um, and then in addition to that, they have, you know, additional administrative uh, and medical staff. So their ratios are very high. Uh, whereas, you know, a camp like Camp Fever, which is a camp for children with PKU, um, other than dietary uh, concerns and issues, they are, you know, typically developing kids. And so their ratios are, are would be more of a normal type ratio. When you are in this partnership with these foundations, talk to us a little bit about that structure. Do you offer counselors? What is, or, or do you just offer programming? What, what is, how does that run? Um, so the way that the partner model works is that um, our partners bring the campers, the in-cabin counselors, and the medical staff. And um, so they're the experts on their campers and whatever the special need or challenging illness is. Uh, what Camp for All does is we provide a barrier-free facility and um, universal activities so that our campers can do all the typical camp activities uh, that we all know about. And then we provide all the staff to lead those activities. In addition to that, we provide the food service, the lodging, um, and with the food service comes the, a lot of special diets and special menu items. And so, and then the other part of the partnership piece is financial. Um, our, we raise half the money for the camp to come. Um, the organization that comes, our partner organization raises half the money. That way, most of our campers can come for free. So you're not only managing your organization, it sounds like you're, you're helping manage and lead 65 other organizations. Uh, what, what are you guys, how are you moving through the crisis right now? Yeah, so um, my, my week, um, I think probably like a lot of us, my week has been spent on Zoom calls. Um, so I'm having one-to-one -one meetings with all of our partners, um, right now starting with summer partners, obviously, because those are the ones um, that were, you know, touch and base, seeing where they're at, um, you know, what are their 
things that I want to reassure them about. And so one of the things that we work with on them are minimum numbers and guarantees and, you know, contract cancellation numbers and all that kind of stuff. And, and so one of the things that I've been doing is just letting them know that we're not, we're not holding any of those accountable, not the minimum guarantees, not the contract numbers, the, you know, these are our partners and we're, we're in this together. So we're going to work it out um, together. And so that, that's what we've been talking about. We've also been talking about, you know, safety protocols uh, when we are able to bring um, people back, um, you know, we monitor all the stuff that comes out with the American Camp Association and the Association of Camp Nurses. And in addition to that, I've, I've got I've had conversations with some of the doctors um, that I'm friends with that come out here to camp and you know look at what kind of protocols do we think we're going to need. Um, you know, doing a little pre-planning. Um, the general consensus is that now is a great time to plan, but too early to set anything in stone. We don't really know what those are going to be yet. So like, you know, I think a lot of the conversations that we're going to, we're all having is, uh, will some people need to wear masks? Who are those people? If it's too many people, does that do something to camp? And, and, you know, we're, we're having all of those conversations um, just so that we can kind of all be on the same page. It seems like uh, a, a lot of the conversations that I have, Kurt, uh, are about you know, this day-to-day -day managing of this crisis. And, and now that we're five, six, seven weeks into it, um, how are you going to manage, move from managing uh, to leading? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it's one of the things that we talk about with our leadership team. And we, we've got a couple of levels uh, of leadership. We've got uh, our CEO and three directors. And so um, Pat Sorrells is our CEO, uh, Mary Beth Mosley is our Director of Development, and April McIntosh is our Director of Finance and HR, and then I'm the Camp Director. And so the four of us have meetings on a regular basis, and then we have a, a manager level um, where we've got like our program manager, our facilities manager, our development manager, and we meet on a regular basis. And, and so honestly, I would say that that we're doing both. We're, we're talking about the high level leadership at the same time we're implementing the operational things that we need to implement. Now, we have a large team. We have 38 full-time year-round staff. Um, so that allows us to, um, you know, to do some things that I think maybe other organizations aren't able to do. Um, it also, you know, the, the flip side of that is we are currently still paying 38 um, full-time staff. And, and our plan is to continue to do that. So, um, you know, that's one of the things that we're looking at. All of them are still involved in some way. They're either they're at home doing online trainings, getting ready for when they can come back, putting together manuals that we didn't have time to put together, you know, training, onboarding. Um, we're doing online virtual activities. And obviously our, our facility staff is coming in and mowing and you're talking about virtual things and we're recording this on a Friday. Talk to us a little bit about what you did this morning and how that yeah. went. Well, so this week we decided to do a theme week, which, you know, we sometimes do at camp and we're fig I think like a lots of people, we're figuring out the virtual activity piece. We want to stay engaged with our campers and I, I, I you know, all of us want to do that. And so um, this was Harry Potter week. So every day at one o'clock, um, one of our program supervisors, Alice, is reading Harry Potter and she will finish the book today. Um, so, uh, so, so by the time you're listening to this, you can go back, if you wanna hear her read it, you can go back to our Facebook page and look at those, uh, those past recordings. But this morning um, we have, so both of my daughters are 
um, program staff here at camp. And then one of them is roommate with another program staff. And so they all moved out of their college dorms and came here and are staying at camp. And so we have three program staff that are staying here at camp. And so we were able to do a live energizer. So one of the things that we do um, every morning during the summer and on Saturday and Sunday mornings during the non-summer months, we do a morning energizer. So 8.45, you know, breakfast is at eight. At 8.45, we get everybody up by the stage and we do, you know, dances to different uh, songs. This morning's song was Magic, of course, because it's Harry Potter week. And so they did a live energizer. Now that's the first time that we've done the live energizers. Um, what we've been doing is we just sent an email out to our summer staff and said, hey, from your home, record your favorite energizer and send it to us. And we've been playing those every Friday at 8.45. I do have one follow-up question uh, about organization and what you guys are doing. Uh, so as, as, as a not-for-profit organization, uh, how are, uh, you know, and you guys are doing, you know, you're doing virtual camp, you're, you're, you're managing and you're leading, uh, you're providing, gosh, some of your college-age staff housing now that they've been kicked out of colleges. Um, how are you communicating with your funders? Uh, and are, you know, is, is there a, uh, uh, are you continuing to ask uh, your funders for 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 donations. Uh, we really haven't had that dialogue with any one of our guests yet, and I'd love to get into that just a little bit. Yeah, so we we are absolutely asking our funders. Um, we have created an emergency fund. Um, you know, I told you that uh, our director of development, Mary Beth Mosley, um, she's new to our organization the last few months. She started at the perfect time because she has been through fundraising during crises and disasters before with Hurricane Harvey in Houston. And so um, her leadership in that area has been great. Um, our emergency fund, um, we've, we've done appeals out to people for our emergency fund. Our CEO um, did a video in front of our camp gates, which were closed, right? Um, that's a, it's a powerful visual. I think all of us who love camp as much as we do, uh, the closed gates of a, of, a, of a camp really offer a visual of the time that's, that's kind of heartbreaking. Um, but so she did, a, she did a video appeal there. And, and our, our funders have stepped up. They've, they've, they're doing things. We've, got, we've gotten direct donations. Um, we have one of our board members is doing a fundraiser with his company with a pie in the face that'll be starting. Actually, one of our program supervisors, um, Abby Wright, is um, doing a fundraiser on Facebook. Um, if she raises $5,000, she will be shaving her head live on Facebook. Yeah, and she's got nice. long hair. In addition to that, she's then gonna turn around and donate that to um, one of the organizations that, that take, I don't, I don't wanna say the organization because I don't remember which one she's doing, but uh, one of the organizations that takes, uh, takes hair for patients that need it. And so um, we have a lot of those types of things going on. Um, I think one of the keys to that kind of fundraising, Al, is that we have strong relationships with our donors prior to a crisis. Um, during a crisis is, is a difficult time to build those relationships. And so because we already have strong relationships, they know what we're doing, they support us, and they want to continue to, to help us out. So one of the things I believe in is that crisis reveals who we are. Uh, 
one of your notes that came across uh, uh, for your pre-interview, uh, you you talked about that um, uh, that positive outlook right now is not unrealistic. Uh, I am reminded of uh, an, a, a great Albert Einstein quote where he talks about uh, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. So uh, in, at the beginning of this crisis, uh, there was a lot of negativity, a lot of lots and lots and lots. So now that we're kind of in the middle, uh, where are you leading uh, with that positive outlook? Yeah. So um, one of the things I guess to know about me in general is that I'm, you know, you talk about people who, uh, see the glass as half empty and people who see it as half full. Um, I just enjoy the glass. So I, I'm a pretty positive outlook guy. And so um, when I look forward at what we're doing, I see, I see my team stepping up and uh, doing some amazing things, thinking of creative ideas. And so th those are the kinds of things that gets me going and keeps me, uh, keeps me looking at things positive. I guess one of the things to think about, and I think it's good for somebody like me, and I think there are a lot of camp people like that, um, but I, I, that positive outlook, I think one thing that's good for us to remember is something that I heard called um, bounded optimism, um, as opposed to what my normal is, which is boundless optimism, right? I think in a crisis, we need to have some bounded optimism. Um, if you paint too pretty of a picture, um, especially as a leader, you start to look unrealistic. So be realistic. It is. You know, we're, and I'm sure we'll get into what our camp is doing this summer, but right now we have lost camp. So we're not operating a full summer. Um, and all of us, you know, we're still in the, in the situation of looking at whether we're going to operate at all this summer. That's, that's realistic. Um, and that's disappointing and it's heartbreaking. And, you know, I feel for the campers that, you know, I think we all have this, we all have our camp and our campers, but I feel like, you know, many of the campers that come to Camp for All, this is the week that they look forward to all year long. And it's a place where they're with people that are like them. And sometimes for some of them, it's the only time they're with people that like them. And, and at the end of this crisis, I think camp is going to be even more important. And so while that's disappointing, I think it, it, the, my, the bounded optimism that I have is that, that we put creativity on, on, you know, on overdrive. Um, everybody is doing different things. We're reaching out and looking at a lot of different things. Our organizations are going to be stronger. Um, I was reading about the depression and I don't mean to compare this to the great depression, but, but I'm going to, um, companies and organizations that closed down quickly and got very conservative and shut everything down quickly without thinking through long-term ramifications, those companies either didn't come out of the depression or had a longer time, more difficulty coming out of, of depression. Companies who looked forward with bounded optimism, took fiscal responsible decisions and, and planned for the long term and were aggressively positive, look at aggressive planning for the future, those companies thrived afterwards and, and they came back a lot quicker. And so I think organizations like ours need to be looking at that aggressive planning. Well, how do we look for the future? Now, that is not a comment on camps that have closed or camps that haven't closed because those decisions are individual to organizations. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak to the, that decision making, but just the aggressive planning for the future. I think that's what gives me hope. Um, I have no doubt that Camp for All will be stronger at the end of this and we will have learned some great lessons 
Um, and and I, so I think I really do believe in that bounded optimism. That was great, Kurt. We're going to just take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. There's three things that you can do to support our podcast. Number one, just keep listening. Number two, share with your network and contacts and colleagues. And number three, leave us a positive rating or like or reference, whatever you do. Welcome back from that uh, great commercial break. Uh, we're here with Kurt. In, in the last segment, Kurt, you uh, talked about moving from boundless optimism to bounded optimism. Have you learned anything about yourself that you didn't expect? You know, that's an interesting retrospective. I, I, I tend to be somebody who tries to learn new things all the time. Um, I think I, I actually think that I knew that the boundless optimism um, is sometimes unrealistic, but during this crisis, it kind of came up more up front. And I, I think the things that I've learned about myself are how to, how to communicate in this kind of crisis scenario. And I think part of that is because as an organization, we do that in a very, specific manner. Now we've always had um, a crisis communication plan. We, re we re rehearsed it. We've had to use it um, before, but it hasn't been at the level obviously of this crisis. And so um, understanding the importance of the effective, efficient, and timely communication, um, you know, that, that, has, that has been a challenge for us. Um, not understanding, I think we do that piece really good, but because we work with partners, Sometimes information goes out from our partners and our summer staff will hear that information before we've been able to put it out because we have a whole structure of how we want to put it out. And so just learning how to be more and more nimble with that information um, is something that, I'm, that I've definitely been working on. And I think, we're, I think we're getting better at it. We're learning about it. My follow-up to that is um, uh, that's uh, a great... Um example of what you're learning about yourself. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, a lot of your team are stepping up. Uh, are, are there team members that you can share maybe a, a story or two about how they're stepping up that surprised you that, that you are enjoying and seeing their leadership? Um, I, I will talk a number of them, but I will tell you that none of it has really surprised me. Um, and I, I think one of the things that we do very well here is hiring people. And so, um, in all honesty, um, I will talk about some of my team members, but none of it has surprised me. I, I think one of the things that we do very well is hire very talented people, um, support them, train them, lift them up, and let them do their job very well. And so, um, some of the examples, our, our housekeeping team is at home. Um, they've taken online classes around cleaning for, um, for COVID on, you know, they, they're taking OSHA classes, they're doing all this kind of online training, um, things that they haven't always had time to do. We, we try to get some of that in and they have done some of that, but now they've been able to really put that into overdrive and, uh, and, and take it to the next level. A cool thing to find out because of the kind of clientele that we have after taking, you know, the cleaning COVID um, classes, one of the things that, uh, that they came back with is most of what we do already covers that kind of cleaning because we have, 
individuals with, uh, with suppressed immune systems. And so um, we're going to add some things, um, the, the, the things that we didn't do on a regular basis, you know, door handles, touches, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but the materials that we use, the supplies we use, that's, that's been great. Um, I think another thing that I've been very impressed with is how our, our program team stepped up right away before we put our, you know, the kind of ideas of virtual activities together, they started doing stuff with the community. Um, Alice, uh, who is reading Harry Potter this week, um, has her own story time with Alice on Tuesdays, and then she does it on Camp for All Live on Thursdays. And she just picked that up on her own and did it because she knew she had friends um, and people out there that had kids at home and would like a story time. And so um, they've all, everybody has stepped up, but I will tell you that it, it hasn't surprised me at all. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. So Kurt, let's talk a little bit about your summer. What's your 30, 60, 90 plan? We know tomorrow it's going to change, but what are you thinking right now uh, for Camp for All? Um, well, as we're recording this podcast, <laughs> but, uh, uh, right now, um, after talking with uh, most of our partners, I have some more calls today, um, we are shifting our start date to July. So our camps come in on Sunday, so I believe that's July 5th. Um, and so and we'll run through the end of the first week of August, which is our typical end to summer. So it looks like we're going to have about five weeks of camp at this point. Um, our camps, the major, you know, we've had a couple of different reasons for camps to cancel. Um, suppressed immune systems are the biggest, you know, the most at risk. So uh, camp, we have a number of oncology camps, uh, a camp for uh, people with muscular dystrophy, a camp for um, people with HIV. Those have all canceled um, with the exception of one oncology camp that is going to be in July. Those have all canceled um, just because of the risk to their campers and, and, and that makes complete sense. Um, we also have a camp for um, children with uh, dermatological issues. Um, that camp is one that um, gets campers from all over the country. And so because of travel and all of those things, they have made the decision to cancel as well. And so um, that, that's, those are the groups that have canceled for us. Now, in addition to that, I guess it's something that, that might make us a little bit different than the majority of camps. I know there are other camps that do this. Um, we run as many campers, actually actual campers, we run more in the spring and the fall than we do during the summertime because it's every weekend starting in January, we have camps at camp. Um, these are not, these are not like retreats that are different. These are camp programs. We run programming all day on Saturday, Friday night and Sunday morning. And so um, we've had to cancel all of those uh, starting, I guess the 16th of March. Um, so we've been empty since then, um, but we are hoping for a July 5th start. What that means then is that the training is going to look a little different. Um, by the time this airs, I will have figured that out. Um, but uh, but as of today, uh, I, I have I don't quite have that yet. It's funny, and I know this is a retrospect. I don't know how that works on a podcast, but I'm about to send an email to my summer staff telling them what I just told you. So um, I'm glad I'm glad it's not li it's not live because then I wouldn't be able to say as much as I'm saying. Kurt, those are great plans for the summer. It sounds like you guys have thought through quite a bit. Uh, let me ask you this. So uh, imagine yourself maybe six or seven months out from today. 
what would Kurt on that day tell you today about those plants, how things manifested over the summer for you? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I think when I look back, um, I only look back to find lessons, to, to find things that I can do differently moving forward. Um, I don't spend a lot of time regretting things that I've done in the past. And so I think um, what, what I would say to myself, you know, seven months forward is um, that's that I, I actually, I think what I would do is say, let's gather the team and uh, let's all talk about the lessons, but not just the lessons in case we run into a crisis again, but what are the things that we got out of this that we wanna make sure we continue moving forward? We, we, we will be changed as an organization, um, you know, but for the better, we will grow and learn. And so I wanna make sure that those lessons are not just, that's what we did during the COVID crisis, but hey, look at what we learned and now we're taking it forward, you know, making an opportunity out of you know something that is you know disappointing to all of us. Earlier, you talked about uh, you know rehearsing your your crisis management plans of the types of things that typically happen in an organization in a summer camp. Uh, from this debrief that you just described with your staff team, um, do you think you developed some sort of crisis communication plan as a result? Well, so we. As an organization, we've had a crisis communication plan um, set for a very long time, and we actually go through our leadership team goes through um, crisis communication, you know, scenarios um, so that we can train on that kind of stuff. Now, again, those scenarios are general, and we we take some you know different kinds of of crises. I will tell you that this is not one that we ever practiced for. Um, not it wasn't on our radar, but but I think when we pulled up that crisis communication plan. I think that helped us, you know, as we were moving forward. Um, there were things like partner communication that while it's in there and we communicate with partners, um, I don't think at the beginning we were, we were as direct with them about connecting with us with getting that information out. And so I think we will, we're, I'm actually planning on having a partner meeting uh, next week. And that's something that we'll talk about. I think we'll have all learned from it. None of them got information out in the incorrect way. We were all just doing it, um, not necessarily knowing how it would affect everybody. And so I think just working together to do that piece of it is something that we, that we will, again, be stronger with next time. Given the nature of uh, the, the populations that you serve, um, and, and as a result of one of the calls I was on yesterday, um, do you have or are you planning to have like a, uh, here's our, our communications plan when COVID shows up in our camp. I mean, do you have messaging ready for your parents, for, for your organizations, for the media? Um, we have, right now what we have is, a, is, so that tentative screening plan that I told you about, we also have a tentative quarantine, how to deal with it plan. Um, and we have a general crisis communication plan. By the time we open up though, we will have a more specific communication plan around that that will include, you know, kind of set statements that we will be making. Now, it doesn't mean that those will be the actual statements that go out, but I will tell you that one of my, one of my favorite sessions from ACA National in San Diego this year was the crisis communication session that uh, 
Kelly Freyridge did. Um, and, and there were very concrete examples there because they had a camp that had to go through some crisis communication last summer. That camp director was there as well, and he, he shared his experience, which I think made it more real and, and allowed us to really think about how we communicate things out. So one of the things that we got out of that was, you know, have some of those statements set and ready to go for certain scenarios. Um, and for example, one of the things Kelly talked about was in San Diego, ACA, she had messages about COVID in case somebody during the conference had COVID. Because remember, that was, that was early. We were just hearing about it, but it was in everybody's heads. I don't think we thought it was going to be what it is now, but um, there was already messaging around that for the conference that ACA had. Now, she didn't have to use that, and we're all glad, but I think that's a good example of, uh, of thinking about that kind of crisis communication. I know when I arrived for that conference, um, going through the airport, it was the first time I'd seen that many people wearing masks mm -hmm. coming through LAX. This has been an amazing conversation, Kurt. I really appreciate you being so open and honest with us about how things are running at Camp For All. Why don't you promote yourself? Tell us how people can get a hold of Camp For All. We'll definitely have links in the information on the podcast. It's campforall.org and uh you know the one that if you're thinking about it and you're figuring out you know what can you do to help organizations in this time instead of going to campforall.org go to campforall.org forward slash donate um that's our emergency fund um it's what helps us to be able to continue to do what we're doing and uh if you're so inclined we would love to hear from you the other thing that i really would recommend is check out our facebook page and our virtual activities we're all trying to go to other camps to see what they're doing. And I think this camp community, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for our campers to get great virtual activities from other organizations. So let's be good colleagues. And we, we know we have a good community. Let's share the things that we're doing with each other. Um, again, I think that's an opportunity that maybe we haven't taken before that we can now and, and really promote each other, promote our social media, promote all the things that everybody's doing. Um, I, I think this is a great time for that kind of community. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Kurt. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Thanks to our friends at Expert Online Trading for supporting the Youth Development Professional Guidebook podcast. Al, you used Expert Online Training at your summer camp. I did, actually. I used them for several seasons at the last camp that I was the executive director. When we were trying to decide the items that we would present during our staff orientation week, there were so many things that we left out. And when expert online training came along, it was like, oh, we can do this ahead of camp. And then people come in and they're already prepared. We even added on to our our support staff, our directing team components so that we'd all be on the same page prior to doing our support staff training as well. It just really made a huge difference. And Expert Online Training has some great folks who present uh, the kind of people that you'd want to see at conferences or that you do make time to see at the different conferences throughout the year. So if you're interested in looking for the highest quality online training for your youth programs, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Thanks again for all their support. Welcome back. I really enjoyed the conversation we had with Kurt. He is just a true inspirational leader. Uh, I was lucky enough to take an ACA course at his camp 
a couple of years ago in Texas, and it's a beautiful piece of property. Al, tell us what you learned today from Kurt. Well, I'm going to use uh, one of his quotes. You know, the uh, in this podcast, it was not half empty. It was not half full. I just really enjoyed the glass, which is what Kurt said. Um, uh, probably the things that uh, impacted me the most from uh, all the different uh, things that they're doing and what he's learning is uh, his quote about putting creativity on overdrive. I, you know, I go back to the law of solid ground that uh, building trust really requires competency, connection, and character. And, and, you know, Kurt really gives you that sense that trust is the foundation of the leadership, and he is exemplifying it in the work that he does. I really have a bunch of notes from what we talked about. I loved having that conversation with with a true leader. I, I wrote down, I think one of the one things that I grab onto and, and grabbed onto is bounded optimism. I, I think as camp directors, we are innately and organically in our DNA putting out our optimism of what's going to happen. And at this time, having it realistic and relevant to what's going on is just as important as still having that optimism. So I really appreciate Kurt for coming on and joining us and we will see you next time. Thanks everybody. Thank you.